It is possible to be thankful every moment, every day. It, it takes practice and humility. It takes vision and ability. It takes practice and humility. It takes vision and ability. Hi, and welcome to Tell Me What Happened, the podcast that features people from all walks of life talking about real events from their childhood and how those events impacted their lives. I'm your host, Jay Rehack. And I love listening to stories from people's childhoods, which also help me understand who those people are. Tell Me What Happened is sponsored by Sidelining Publishing, publishers of quality books, including Susan Salador's children's book, I've Got Peace in My Fingers, available worldwide wherever quality books are sold. Tell Me What Happened is also sponsored by LaughSaver.com. Visit LaughSaver.com and record your laughter. LaughSaver.com will keep it for you, now and forever. Your family will appreciate it. It's free, and it's easy to use. That's LaughSaver.com. Today I'm going back to my own childhood, tell you a story of uh, my first arrest. I thought it was kind of fitting because it demonstrates a white privilege that I think translates into what I call the benefit of the doubt. And my hope is is that everybody in the world gets the benefit of the doubt when people are uncertain about whether they're the good guy or the bad guy, whether they're guilty or not guilty. And I'm afraid that we live in a society where some of us are given the benefit of the doubt and some of us aren't. I think that is sort of a, a huge element of what I would call white privilege or the idea of privilege. But people sometimes struggle with the word privilege, so I'm just going to try to ask people to consider whether or not in their own lives they get the benefit of the doubt or not. So today what I'd like to do is tell you the story of my arrest, my first arrest when I was in high school, when I was 16 years old. I want to start by saying that because I'm a school teacher and my students may hear this, that arrest means my first stop, the first time I was stopped by a police officer. So when I was 16, I had a good friend of mine. His name was Sean. And Sean had a brother named Mike. And Mike was a little older than we were. We were 16. He was 17, going on 18. And Mike had just signed up to join the military. And I think he was having second thoughts. I may have nothing to do with the story, but I've always thought that's what happened. Because one day, one evening, when I was riding around with my friend Sean in his car, Sean's brother Mike was also with us. And Mike asked Sean and I, if we could drop him off at a local restaurant where his friend worked. And what Mike told Sean, and I suppose me because I was in the car, was that he'd planned on either talking with his friend or stealing his friend's car battery. He was upset with his friend for some reason, and he was thinking about stealing his car battery. 
And I've always thought that maybe his plan was to steal a car battery and get caught and then somehow not have to go into the military. That may have had nothing to do with anything, but it's just it struck me as a very weird thing to do to want to steal your friend's car battery. Anyway, Sean was a law and order kind of a 16-year-old, believe it or not, and I was, certainly was too. And uh, Sean said to his brother, he said, Mike, we're going to come back in an hour. And if you have a car battery in your hand, we're just going to keep on driving. But if all you've done is gone in and talked to your friend, we'll come and pick you up. So that was the agreed upon decision, that we would come back. If he had a car battery in his hand, we'd just keep driving. Because we weren't going to help him steal a car battery. Anyway, an hour later, we pull into the restaurant parking lot. And as we did, eight suburban squad cars came screeching into the parking lot with their sirens blaring and their lights flashing, and they circled our car. And they grabbed both Sean and I out of the car rather forcefully, and they threw us up against the car and had us spread our legs as if to check to see if we had any weapons, I suppose. And me, in my, in my st stupidity, I turned around and looked the cop in the face and said, relax, I'm innocent, or something like stupid like that. And the guy quickly pushed me back into the car, drew a gun and put it to my head and said, do not take your hands off of the hood of the car again. So I stood there and I was just shaking thinking I was in some kind of a dream. And then they handcuffed us and uh, put us into the squad car rather uh, forcefully, not gently, let's just say, and drove us to the local police station. It was a suburb of Chicago uh, by the name of Lombard. And when we got there, they put Sean by himself in one room, Mike in another room, and me in another room. And then they had each of us tell a, our version of the story. Mike confessed immediately and said we had nothing to do with it. Sean told the exact same story that I just told you, which was we said, if you have the car battery, Mike, we're just going to keep on driving. I said the same story. Sean said the same story. In the meantime, Sean's parents came in to pick up Sean and Mike. And as we're waiting to be picked up, Sean's father turned to Mike and said, Michael, 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 why did you steal the car battery? I, you know I would have given you the money for it. And Mike looked at his father and said, no, you wouldn't. And I don't know why I thought that was funny, but I never forgot it. And then my parents came to pick me up. And my mother's crying and she says something like, Jay, Jay, what did you do? What did you do? And it hurt me to think that way. But my father, in his, in his beautiful moment, from my point of view, said, I know you didn't do anything. And uh, that moved me because my father and I were 
not particularly close when I was 16 years old. But the fact that he had 100, 100% confidence in me made me feel really good. So here's the thing. I call it white benefit of the doubt because both Sean and I were um, honor students in school. And we didn't really, I, I wouldn't say we didn't look like the criminal type. I don't know what exactly, but our stories match. But we got lucky because it turned out that my friend Sean was taking karate classes with the chief of the Lombard Police Department. And so the chief of police not only took care of the fact that we didn't, you know, we were, there were no charges filed, but... There were absolutely no records around of the incident. Uh, Mike still got in trouble, but Sean and I were nowhere, nowhere to list it anywhere. And so I believe it was because we were basically yeah, given this benefit of the doubt. At the time, I wouldn't have called it privilege, but maybe I'm just parsing words. Because I did get arrested. But I've often thought, I, I, as I mentioned, I'm six foot three, and I've often thought, and I also have a face that when I'm resting, and my resting face is one that sometimes people ask me if there's something wrong or if I'm angry. And I'm not, but they think I am. And I've often wondered if I were a black man, uh, a young man, or an African American who'd had this similar experience, if I'd turned around, would that cop have shot me? Or I would I have been able to, quote-unquote, talk my way out of some sort of a charge against me, somehow that I'd have had to have to fought or had to fight, you know, get a lawyer for it, etc. But instead, absolutely nothing happened to me at all, or to Sean. Fast forward 48 years, my good friend Sean is a very, very high-powered attorney in New York City. He was also a prosecutor in New York City. Highly successful. And I've been a school teacher for 35 years. I suppose because we were juveniles at the time, if we had, you know, faced some charges and had somehow lost the case or whatever, that maybe we'd still be the people we are today or the professionals that we are today. But I do believe that we, because we were given the white benefit of the doubt, and I'm not dismissing that it isn't privilege, but I just... There's a subtlety of the language here that we were given a break that meant that the mistakes that we made didn't really cost us. And that's what I think everybody is entitled to, the benefit of the doubt. And I don't think that um, our culture provides that benefit of the doubt for everybody. So that's my story. I hope you enjoyed it. I also want to thank everyone for taking the time to listen to the story. Really appreciate it. Also like to thank our sponsors, Sidelining Publishing, publishers of quality books, including Susan Salador's children's book, I've Got Peace in My Fingers, and Scott Suma's timely work, Don't Act Like the President, 
available worldwide through Amazon.com or wherever quality books are sold. Also like to thank our other sponsor, LaughSaver.com. LaughSaver.com invites you to go to their website, record your laughter for free. They'll keep it for you now and forever. Your grandchildren and their grandchildren will thank you for it. That's LaughSaver.com. Now we're going to end this show as we often do with Susan Salador's classic, Every Moment, Every Day, which is available on Spotify, BTW. Until next time, this is Jay Rehack asking you all to stay safe out there and try not to hurt anybody. It is possible to be thankful every moment, every day. It, it takes practice and humility. It takes vision and civility. It takes practice and humility. It takes vision and civility. It takes possible to be wisdom to see it every day. It takes practice and humility. It takes vision and civility. It is possible to be thankful to see it every day. It takes practice. And humility, it takes vision and civility, it takes practice and your wisdom to see it and civility, it takes practice and your wisdom to see it and civility, it takes beauty and the wisdom to see it everywhere. It is possible to be thankful every moment, every day.